Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Hello, everyone, and happy New Year's Eve. You're very welcome along to Future Proof. In this special episode, we're bringing you some of our favorite features from the year. And first up, the notion of human beings getting to and settling on Mars has been a staple of science fiction for decades. But what are the social, scientific and engineering constraints for establishing such a colony? And what are the blueprint and concept designs for the settlement of an entire Martian city? Well, I spoke to Justin Hollander, urban planning professor at Tufts University and the author of The First City on Mars, An Urban Planner's Guide to Settling the Red Planet. Welcome to the program, Justin. How are you? Great. Well, thank you for having me, Jonathan. This is um, a really interesting idea. I'm just wondering um, what, what, what sort of considerations would be different for, for somewhere like Mars? Because surely the, the, when it comes to building cities, we've built cities uh, on Earth already. Why do we need to think so much about the urban planning of somewhere like Mars? Well, you know, Mars is quite different from Earth. Um, it's, a, it's a smaller planet. It um, is further from the sun, and it doesn't have much of an atmosphere, which means a couple things. One is uh, radiation is a pretty serious problem, and also the atmosphere is not made up of the kind of atmosphere we're used to on Earth. So, so the breathing the air is a lot more challenging. So, so yeah, we have to we have to do a bunch of things. We have to kind of think about those that very kind of cold climate. That, that exists on Mars. Um, and, and here's where we can kind of learn from Earth, but, but we do need to do things differently. And then we also have to kind of think about all the different ways to protect people and make them safe while, while living on Mars. So designers, um, when, when they're in an engineering space, are very much looking at utility and that much of the space stuff we have right now is very much looking at what is the function, what's the minimum weight, and how do we get this work? How and why do we need to think about urban planning in a slightly different way when we're talking about building cities or neighborhoods in Mars? Yeah, so, um, you know, the most any human has has been on a, another celestial body is on, uh, on when humans landed on the, on the moon. And so that was just for, you know, a very short uh, period. So what what does it mean to actually, like, live on another planet? So you need to create an environment that meets our innate needs. You know, we can't ignore human emotion, human psychology. And so that has to really be built in from the beginning. Otherwise, people will not be happy. And and, and that'll be a real great problem for any kind of uh, potential future settlement. So how does urban planning go about solving that problem then? Right. And there's a, there's a lot of things that we have learned from human settlement here on Earth that we can we can translate. Um, you know, one is really just kind of thinking through the experience of a person who's living on Mars. So that's like, where are they going to work? How are they going to live? How are they going to get from those two places? So here we think about questions around transportation and mobility. One of the things that we, we've learned from really kind of harsh climates, cold climates on Earth is is underground tunnels and transportation can be really very effective. So, so that's something that we can build into any future cities on Mars right from the very beginning to kind of imagine that that's going to be the main way that, that people get around a city and, and, and connect with other cities as well through, through those kinds of underground tunneling systems. You may have heard um, Elon Musk, he has this company called the, the Boring Company, uh, trying, to, trying to solve the traffic problems of Los Angeles by 
like digging tunnels. Well, it's really expensive <laughs> to, <laughs> to build tunnels under existing cities. Um, so yeah, so if you, if you if you think about this, you know, beforehand, what, what's probably uh, decades before people are going to be uh, settling Mars, if we think about it before, we can make sure that that the kind of a, a basic framework is in place to be able to, to create that kind of transportation system. Um, why not? Why underground? Why is underground useful? Yeah. So the hazards of being on Mars um, have um, one of the one of the biggest ones is, is radiation. Right. And the kind of the kind of radiation that that can really harm harm someone. You, you're protected by by having it underground. Another hazard is the the dust. There's just um, a lot of dust that's uh, that circulates, little red little red specks of dust, and then there are pretty frequent dust storms, and this just wrecks havoc on any kind of machine or mechanical systems, um, which which you would need on a, a surface level, you know, transportation network. Right. And, and so that, that makes sense, um, uh, building something underground. But if we're talking about urban planning and trying to make, you know, an, an idyllic new colony for Mars, it sounds pretty depressing to be stuck <laughs> under tunnels for so long. And the aesthetic of space stuff since, you know, since we first came across it in, you know, the early for me it was Star Wars. But of course, it predates that by maybe 30 years in screen and film. It's very clean and sterile. And, uh, and that's fine for a mission when you need everything to work. But in real life, as you go on, um, you want something more than that. Like, is there a, when you were writing this book, were you thinking about, you know, how do we design a place on another planet that also is a fun or an enjoyable place to be? What considerations do you have to make for that? Yeah, no, I, th I thought a lot about that. And, and um, you know, I think that we can do that on Mars. You know, you definitely want to spend a lot of time protected from radiation, but you also need solar <laughs> exposure. You know, we need that. We need that for, for, for warmth um, and for vitamins. And, and, and it's a really good thing for people to have that for their emotional well-being, to have that, that exposure to sunlight. So you do need to have um, some ability for people to have uh, that kind of exposure. And, and, you know, what I did in this in this book was a lot of research to try to understand all of these different dimensions of urban planning. So you don't have those kinds of questions around the psychology, questions around construction, infrastructure, building design, architecture, but then, you know, ended up with a series of principles and then use that to sketch out uh, a design, you know, what, what this might look like. And, and in our design, what we really found was you really need to have uh, really these kind of central spaces that are really park-like. And, and we have every reason to believe that plants should be able to grow and thrive in Mars with the with the right conditions. So yeah, there's no reason we can't build basically a central park <laughs> right on a, a really real parks right on um, on Mars and, and give places for people to recreate and play uh, ball fields. So we have this one illustration we have of a basketball court. Um, so yeah. Wait, wait so but isn't gravity different on Mars? <laughs> But we'll uh, learn how to play basketball a little bit differently. Would I be able that's, to dunk is, on Mars? That is true. It's different. Yeah, you will, actually. Oh, my God. I played basketball for 15 uh, years, NBA and I, I, I always ever got the top of the rim by about an, an extra six inches. Never managed to dunk. That would be, that'd be a lifelong dream. I go to Mars just to be able to dunk. But um, <laughs> you were talking about architecture and all these things, and it sounds so science fiction, but practically, you know, where are you going to get the rocks? I mean, what sort of... 
what sort of rocks do we have on Mars? And are they, you know, are they good for building? Because obviously there's some, there's some materials that are used for building here that are terrible. You know, um, what do we know about Mars rocks and whether or not they'd be good in building, you know, the basketball courts of the future? Yeah, no, it's such a great question because um, even though humans have not yet been there, there have been numerous missions to Mars and and we've collected lots of samples and, and we actually have a pretty good idea. It's uh, the, the rocks are it's called regolith. That's what they call it. Um, and regolith. It, yeah, regolith. And it really is believed to have the same kind of properties that a lot of the rocks that we have on Earth are and that there's every reason to believe that it can be with minimal processing, the kind of processing that people have been doing for thousands of years, we could turn that into bricks, ceramics, glass, and even concrete. So the the materials are there. Um, you know, there are certain things that some membranes, some types of metals that we might not have on Mars. So so those are things that we'd probably have to bring. Um, but yeah, we we really we could do a lot like on site. So try to not have to not have to bring a lot of uh, equipment, but to to build it right there. It just, I mean, when you think about all the things that go into building, forget about building, even just like doing DIY in your home, the amount of waste <laughs> and the amount of resources. I mean, isn't this a bit crazy to be thinking about now, the idea that, you know, that we we need to consider urban planning when we don't yet know how to make a brick or, a you know, or a vehicle <laughs> go for, for more than a year? You know, like, isn't that, what's the point of thinking about something that is so far away from where we are right now? Well, I mean, you know, we, um, you know, in the United States, uh, NASA is is planning on doing exactly what I'm describing uh, on the moon within 10 years from now, um, and they're talking about you know the the same kind of uh, uh, rocks and um, lunar dust it can be converted into bricks and ceramic and glass on, on the moon. So, so th that is actually uh, in the works, and there have been tests um, on Earth to to see if these things would work and. We've ever reason to think so, and so the, the but the big impetus for for looking at this today in 2023 is because the science and the missions are moving forward, and we need to make sure that this kind of proactive thinking is happens well before the first rockets are packed with with equipment and and travel out there. So so it's really about being proactive. One thing that we learned from the human colonization of Earth, the way that um, countries would pack up all their things. You know, the Greeks, they would load up their chariots and they would go far away. They'd put all their stuff in their boats, travel for months, and then set up a new new settlement. So what we learned is that you, you have, to, have to prepare. And they would do that. They would prepare months, if not years, in advance of, of one of these um, uh, projects. So so I think that, that we need to do the same thing. And while there may still be some some technological questions. Um, you know, I think that the consensus that I've found in the scientific literature is that 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 most of the questions have been answered, and that um, it's really about the dangers. There's it is dangerous. There's no question about that. And then the cost, because it's going to be expensive to get that get that going. It's, it's, I mean, there have been many images of what what uh, you know space colonies look like. Is there a a best shape or or look or um, design to a city? In uh, Dubai, they have these, you know, these 
palm tree islands that are falling apart. Um, uh, and, and then there's, you know, the, the Eskimos have the igloo and then the New Yorkers have the skyscraper. Like, is there a knowing what you know about the physics uh, of Mars and the atmosphere? Is there a, a, a particular design that would work well for a Martian city? You know, is it domes? Is it um, is it blocks? Yeah, no, it's is it teepees. You're right. It is. Um, <laughs> it's it is domes. Um you know, because what we do know from uh, research here on Earth in terms of, um, you know, what are the kind of ideal shapes and, and, and those are the rounded shapes are really the ideal for for being able to reduce heat loss. Um, the other thing is trying to kind of uh, reduce the, the number of exposed surfaces and structural openings to, to minimum. That also is something that we that we know will help. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the dome also can, can really work well with a uh, crater. And I talked about um, how important it is that there be spaces that people can be underground. So naturally occurring craters is also really something that we w- would seek to, to, to build on um, to be able to benefit from the, the, those depressions. And then, then the domes can essentially provide a, a cover while also um, providing a light and sunlight. And so how do, like, how do we make these domes or these these new buildings i mean we don't have um we don't have cranes on uh, on mars surely or, or or do we need you know such advanced um technology because there's less gravity is it easier to build a, a building or how how would we make the first factory on mars or the first um uh, two up two down yeah so it's it's so fascinating because building science on earth has really has really grown so much lately we have the ability using 3d printers to build houses and that's been done on earth um so so a lot of scientists are really looking at uh the ability to be able to set up uh, 3d printers on mars and then use locally resourced materials like that like the regolith um and 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 put that in as essentially the the feeding material for the 3D printer and then build all the buildings. So all totally automated. So, so really amazing ability to be able to, and that a lot of this could happen before people even arrive, you know, that these, these um, 3D printers automated building of new buildings. And then when people arrive, the buildings are already there. In researching this book, were there things that we take for granted here on earth that just will never be possible on Mars due to the, the, lower gravity or the amount of oxygen are there some things that no matter how you want to build you know a basketball court or a swimming pool that they just won't work because the the the, the very physics of mars would prevent it well i would say like uh like a water fountain uh, <laughs> uh i i think i think yeah we're gonna you're definitely not gonna see water features um you know we there's there's really no surface water on mars um so, so that that's really going to be different, and and I would d- definitely tell you that as I've been thinking about this and researching this book, I think more than anything, I appreciate what we have. Yeah. So, so you can't breathe the, breathe the air on Mars, and there there are definitely people who believe that with the proper interventions, Mars can be terraformed to shape it to be more Earth-like, to increase the uh, uh, atmospheric pressure, increase. Um, the um, protections against radiation and change the um, the air so that it's uh, more breathable. But you know, we're we're if if that's even possible, 
but we're certainly at least centuries away from that being able to happen. So any early colonization, people basically just wouldn't be able to spend a lot of time outside without being in pressurized uh, spacesuits with 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 their own oxygen supply. So the ability to just kind of go outside and go for a walk or have a, like lie down in a forest. I mean, <laughs> like enjoy this earth while you can seems to be the message to me here. Yes, Justin. definitely the message. What was the what was the one thing that really surprised you in the writing of this book? What was the one thing that when when you learned it, you were like, wow, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Well, I think probably the the food question. Um, I mean, people don't really talk too much about <laughs> what would we eat. <laughs> if we were to be on Mars. And, you know, there's there's just a pretty strong scientific consensus that animals are not really practical. Yeah. So if that's the case, if we don't, if we're not going to have animals, what are we going to eat? Well, we're going to eat plants and single cell proteins. Um, and those will have to all be just uh, grown in, in different types of greenhouses or, or below ground hydroponic facilities. Um, so yeah, just kind of even just thinking about how the diet, uh, the human diet, would just be so drastically different on Mars. Um, pretty amazing. So the, the next Mars um, expedition, vegans only uh, need apply. Really interesting, uh, Justin Hollander is, is author <laughs> of uh, The First City on Mars, An Urban Planner's Guide to Settling the Red Planet. Justin, thanks for your time. Well, thank you for having me. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland. Sunday morning at 10 on News Talk.